Hello and welcome to the Bible 101 Podcast. Today we're going to actually do something very special. And I'm, I'm going to attempt to do this in about 25 minutes. So it's going to be an extremely uh, challenging thing for me to do, but I'll do my best. But we're actually going to take the entire Bible 101 series and focus on the major themes we covered and tie it all together uh, for you so that maybe you can put all the dots together, connect all of the dots, I mean. So let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter number 9. I'm not going to take time to read all of this, but we're going to cover Hebrews 9, 6 through 22. Uh, But let's just read one verse of Scripture just to kind of cover the major theme here. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Back up now to verse number 13, or excuse me, verse number 11. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Okay, so the book of Isaiah chapter number 1 and verse number 18. Let's flip over there. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse number 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So, Uh, Some of the things we talked about in the Bible 101 series is that each age in the Old Testament included blood. Number one, we mentioned the fact in lesson number three, that Adam and Eve, God told them, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And uh, in that lesson, we talked about the fact they did not die physically that day. There was a spiritual death because spiritual death is separation from God. That's what hell is, separation from God. And uh, so there was a spiritual death, but they did not die physically that day. However, a physical death process began. Now, Adam would go on to live some 900 plus years, but a physical process began of death in his life. However, that day, something did die. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, God took coats of skins and he covered their nakedness. Now, their nakedness was a shame, brought shame with it, because when they ate of the fruit, they realized that they were naked, and that nakedness brought shame, their realization of their nakedness. And so God covered their sin with coats of skins, which was animal skins. Blood was shed. Then in Genesis chapter 4, we covered this in Bible 101 lesson number 4, uh, that uh, in Genesis chapter number 4, it says, Abel's offering was accepted. There was three aspects of that offering. It was of the firstlings of his flock, first fruits. Uh, it was of the fat thereof, later on to be required by the law. Both of those things would be required. Thirdly, it was a blood sacrifice. Cain was of the fruit of the ground, which God had cursed. Some scholars would debate and say, well, it doesn't say it was a sin offering. Well, we don't know what type of offering it was. It says an offering. It doesn't say uh, that it was a Thanksgiving offering. It just says offering. However, we do know that God accepted Abel's because it was a blood sacrifice. It was of the firstlings of the block and he did this by faith Uh, he didn't have a written law that said you have to do this but all that he depended upon was what his parents told him about what had happened in the garden and so uh, he took that knowledge but he also brought the very best shows you his attitude toward God he brought of his best he brought of the fat thereof and he also brought a blood sacrifice and God accepted that thirdly 
Uh, we mentioned in lesson number five and six the story of Noah, how that uh, obviously what happened with the flood was a beautiful type of baptism. Sin was drowned under the waters, but Noah and his family rose above the waters. That's a beautiful type of baptism. But when he got off the, uh, the ark, he offered a blood sacrifice, and the aroma caused God to make a covenant with him. You can read that in Genesis chapter 8, verses 15 through 22. Fourthly, our fourth point here is that God established circumcision with Abraham as a sign of the covenant. You can read that in Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 through 14. God told Abraham, if they're not circumcised, I don't care if they're a slave that you purchased with your own money. I don't care, uh, you know, if they're a stranger that's not even of your household. If they come under your house, they have to be circumcised. Otherwise, they'll be cut off because they've broken my covenant. And if you question whether or not this was a bloody covenant, uh, you can read in Exodus chapter 4, verses 24 through 26, that when Moses did not circumcise his son, God sought to kill him. But Zipporah took the foreskin of her son, cut it off, and threw it at Moses' feet and said, Thou art a bloody husband. So once again, we see that the covenant that God makes with mankind is with blood. Okay, and then uh, in uh, our fifth point is that when uh, the Passover came, blood had to be shed and had to be applied to the doorposts. And if there was not blood over the doorposts, uh, on the doorposts, then uh, they would not be spared when, that, uh, when God passed by on the Passover. But if blood was on those doorposts, they may not have been perfect. They may have had sin in their life. They may have had flaws there. But as long as they were inside that house that had the blood, they were safe. Now, that doesn't mean that sin can be excused. It doesn't mean that as long as you know uh, you have the blood of Jesus on your life, you can do whatever you want to do. Don't misunderstand my point. But what I'm saying is people behind those doors were not perfect. We read later on that many of them were killed in the wilderness. So you will be punished for sin. But uh, the Bible does say that on this occasion, the blood is what spared them. The blood is what saved them. You can read that in Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. See our lesson on the Passover. Then also, point number six is in the law, blood was shed and sprinkled upon every article of furniture in the tabernacle. Hebrews chapter number 9, verses 19 through 21 tells us this. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people saying this is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you moreover he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry it didn't stop there though he also applied blood to Aaron and his sons uh, and this is how they were sanctified and set apart for ministry you can read that in Exodus chapter 29 verses 19 through 21 uh, and then uh, point number seven is when sin was atoned for, an animal was offered. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says this, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Point number eight is once a year the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, but not without blood. Hebrews chapter 9 verse number 27 uh, tells us this. It, uh, excuse me, I have the wrong verse written down here. Let's see. Uh, excuse me, Hebrews 9 and verse number 7. Uh, but into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. So if he went into that Holy of Holies, he could only go in once a year, but it was not without blood. Okay, so these were the major themes we discussed in the Old Testament that you can see the scarlet thread that runs all throughout the Old Testament and it is a theme of blood. It's a thread of blood. 
There's a beautiful story we're told uh, that I discussed when we talked about them coming into the promised land that Rahab and her family were spared, but she could only be spared so long as she had that scarlet thread uh, that, that went outside of her window and was assigned to them, and it was a covenant between her and those men that had stayed in her inn that night. And so uh, those spies that Joshua had sent ahead of them, well, it's the same thing with us. There's a scarlet thread that is a sign of the covenant between you and God, and that is the thread of blood. So when we got into the New Testament, we talked about the fact that Christ was offered on the cross in order to shed sinless blood that would atone and remit our sin. Let's read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. It says this, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, talking about Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Uh, to sit down means that he completed the work. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Once again, the word sanctified is set apart. Remember how Aaron and his sons were sanctified for ministry, uh, and part of the sign of this sanctifying was with blood. Well, we're sanctified for ministry as well, for being witnesses of Christ, if uh, his blood is applied to our life. Okay, so uh, remember when Jesus was on the cross, one of the things he said was, it is Finish. The verb carries the idea of fulfilling one's task and in a religious context has the idea of fulfilling one's religious obligations. The entire work of redemption had been brought to completion. The single Greek word here translated it is finished has been found written on papyri receipts for taxes meaning paid in full. Okay, so Jesus paid it in full. Read John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to, uh, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But does this mean that just because Jesus offered blood that everybody in the world is uh, instantaneously saved? No, of course not. That blood still has to be applied to your life. Let's read the book of Revelation, chapter number 7. Let's go over to the book of Revelation, chapter number 7, verses 9 through 14. Revelation 7, verses 9 through 14. Uh, after this I beheld and lo a great multitude that no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes. White represents purity. How could they be pure? and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and under the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne of their fa uh, faces, on their faces, excuse me, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes. This is Revelation 7, verse 14. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They washed their robes. They made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The blood was not automatically applied. They had to wash their robes. They had to make them white in the blood of the Lamb. It wasn't their efforts that made them white. It was the blood of the Lamb that made them white. But they still had to apply that blood. 
Okay, so let's move forward here a little bit. Offering an animal was supposed to be an act of repentance, and repentance is a type of death. Even though Christ died for us, we are supposed to be crucified with him. Galatians 2.20, Paul wrote and he said, For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans chapter number 6 and verse number 6. Knowing this, first, that our old man is crucified with him, that since uh, henceforth we should not serve sin. Uh, amen. And uh, also, you can look in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then Romans, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I, I just quoted most of that there, uh, except for the last verse of Scripture. But... Uh, the Bible tells us that even though Jesus died for us, we still have to die out to sin. It's a, it, repentance is a type of death. So in the law, we talked about the fact that uh, one of the things is in that law, in, in that uh, Old Testament tabernacle plan, the way it was set up was immediately once they came past the gates, the Bible says enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Uh, when they came past those gates and they came in with a spirit of praise, they could not come without an offering. And the first thing they saw was, uh, you know, if they had sinned, excuse me, they, they could not come without an offering. And so they would have to bring uh, a sin offering. The very first thing they would see is this huge brazen altar. Some people have mentioned the fact that the brazen altar was so big that it could fit the rest of the tabernacle furniture inside of it. Uh, it was it was tremendously big. It was huge. It was it was uh, a brazen altar, and that's where sin uh, the sin offering was killed. The blood was shed, and it was applied to that altar. Okay, this is a type of death. Though we are to be crucified with Christ, it is not our blood that atones for sin. So you have to die. The Bible says, present your body as a living sacrifice upon the altar. But it's not your blood that atones for sin. It's the blood of Jesus that atones for sin. Uh, and secondly, in the age of Noah, the water was a type of baptism. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Let's take time to read it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. 1 Peter 3, 20 through 21. Which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water, the like figure, whereinto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How important is a clear conscience toward God? Read Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. It says this, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Uh, Peter and uh, said that one of the purposes for baptism is a clear conscience toward God, and the writer of Hebrews said Christ died to purge your conscience. Don't let his death be in vain. Uh, you need to die out to sin 
uh, but also you need to be baptized if for no other reason than just as a, a, a way to purge your conscience. But Jesus said that he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. You can read that in Matthew chapter number 4. Peter said that we're baptized for the remission of sins. We'll get into this in just a second. So uh, circumcision is connected with baptism. Colossians chapter number 2 verses 8 through 12. Again, we're recovering some of the themes we talked about in the Bible 101 series. But let's talk about Colossians chapter number 2, uh, verses 8 through 12. Colossians 2, 8 through 12 says this. And give me just a second to find it here. Colossians 2, 8 through 12. Uh, For in him, excuse me, uh, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So notice, he's talking about that we're not circumcised as the outward man. In the Old Testament, it was uh, the putting off of the foreskin of the flesh. But now he says that that the type is that the foreskin now is actually the body of sins of the flesh. Okay, so we're cutting that off. How? Verse 12 gives us the answer. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. So, uh, how you are circumcised according to the New Testament plan is you're buried with him in baptism. And what this does is this cuts off your foreskin or that life of sin. That body of sin might be destroyed. Uh, So... uh, what this tells us is when you're buried with him in baptism, that's how you're circumcised according to the New Testament plan. Okay, so uh, first of all, we said it's just for a good conscience sake. So even if that was the only reason, that'd be a good reason to be baptized. But number two is it's New Testament circumcision. Number three, the priest had to wash in the brazen laver before they went into the tabernacle tent. You can read this in the book of Exodus chapter 30, verses 18 through 21. Let's read this quickly. Exodus chapter number 30, verses 18 through 21. Exodus 30, 18 through 21. Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal, and thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou shalt put water therein. For Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn offering uh, made by fire unto the Lord, so they shall they wash their hands and their feet that they die not, and it shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his seed throughout their generation. So he said, they better wash at that brazen laver, and if they don't wash, they're going to die. Blood was mixed with water because of the sacrifices. They had offered the sacrifices. They had been covered in blood. Well, that brazen labor was how they would wash themselves. Well, blood was mixed with water. And so, through baptism, we are buried with Christ, and His blood is applied to our lives. Let's read uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4. Let's move there quickly. Says this, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. 
Then also compare the book of Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 28, just to set the context. Jesus is talking to them at the Last Supper, and he says, This is my blood, talking about communion, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Then in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So how you apply that blood is you are baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, also, we talked about the fact that the Red Sea is a type of baptism. Uh, Egyptians are a type of a world. When the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, the Egyptians could not follow them into the water. They were drowned. And uh, Moses told them, he said, The Egyptians that you now see, you shall see them again no more forever. So when you're baptized in Jesus' name, Peter said you're baptized for the remission of your sins. Acts 22.16, Arise therefore and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So the sins are remitted. They're washed away. It's the blood of Jesus that does this. It's not the waters that wash away your sin. It's the blood of Jesus uh, that is washed away. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, you'll realize that typology is very important to God. And so that brazen altar was important to God. That brazen labor was important to God. And so in the New Testament, baptism is, is extremely important unto God. And how you apply Jesus' blood to your life is you are washed. Remember in Revelation chapter 7, we read they washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. The Holy Ghost... Uh, the next point I'd like to make is the Holy Ghost will cause us to be risen with Christ. Let's read the book of Romans, chapter number 8 and verse number 11. Romans chapter 8, verse number 11. I'm covering a lot of things very, very quickly, so I hope you're keeping up with me. And if you need to go back and listen to this again, please do. Romans 8, 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you you. How was Christ raised from the dead? He was raised from the death, dead for, by the glory of the Father. Let's read Romans uh, chapter number 6 um, and verse number 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. So the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God is the Holy Ghost. Uh, no, it's not a third person. It is the Holy Ghost. And how you get that spirit is Peter said, Repent, be baptized, everyone, in the name of Jesus Christ for their mission. says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the Spirit of the Father. It's also called the Spirit of the Son. In Romans chapter uh, number 8 and verse number 9, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So you receive the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of Christ. And if you are wondering what that means, read our apostolic apologetics on the pluralistic language in John chapter 14. That will explain that a little bit better. Okay, so moving forward here just a little bit. Uh, now, we talked about the fact that the Holy Ghost will cause us to be risen with Christ. In the days of sacrifice, fire would fall and consume the sacrifice if it was accepted. Let's read Leviticus chapter 9 and verse number 24. And I'm about to come to a close here, and we're going to have to continue this. Uh, Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24, And there came a fire out from before the Lord, and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 38, I'm not going to take time to read it, but when Elijah prayed his 63-word prayer, how they knew that God had accepted his sacrifice, 
was uh, fire fell from the Lord and devoured it. Well, the Holy Ghost is a type of fire. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist said, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And the word with is not in the original. And fire. Holy Ghost and fire. Then when it came upon them on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse number 3, it came like as of fire. If you want a deeper discussion of that, uh, look at our uh, lesson that we taught on the operations of the Holy Ghost just recently here. So we've already seen that God's fire was a type of acceptance. It is also a purifying agent. You can read that 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse number 12 through 15 where it says every work will be tried of fire the wood hay stubble will be burned up but that which is really matters uh, will be purified gold is it will be purified every man's work is tried by fire you can read that uh, I believe it's in first Peter I don't have the reference in front of me hell is a place of eternal fire because those that go there can never be purified you can read that in Revelation chapter 3 verse 18 so another type is the ark of the covenant represented the presence of God the mercy seat was upon the ark Blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. Let's read Leviticus chapter 16, verses 14 through 15. Leviticus chapter 16, verses 14 through 15. Let's turn there quickly. And this is how we're going to have to close. Leviticus 16, and verses 14 through 15. Please give me just a minute here. Leviticus 16, 14 through 15. Uh... And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the, of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall take, uh, make, excuse me, and he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. So blood was sprinkled upon the mercy seat. Because of the blood of Jesus, we can receive God's presence inside of us, which is the Holy Ghost. The book of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 9 through 23, Romans chapter 8, verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Maybe you can write those references down. I'll say it one more time. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23. Romans chapter 8 verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. The Bible also talks about three things that bear witness in earth, 1 John chapter 5 verse 8. Now I understand the context and it's talking about Jesus uh, and some people, you know, believe various things about, it's talking about three types of testimony, uh, testimonies about Jesus as Messiah. But uh, 1 John 5 and 8, look at it this way, the spirit, the water, and the blood. Blood was throughout the tabernacle. Brazen altar was a type of repentance. Brazen labor was a type of baptism. The Ark of the Covenant upon the mercy seat is a type of the Holy Ghost, the presence of God in our lives. Remember the Bible says that uh, God will write His law upon our hearts. Well, the law was one of the things that was inside that, uh, that uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And so it represents the presence of God. Well, the Holy Ghost puts the law of God, it writes it upon your heart. So the Holy Ghost is a type of that Ark of the Covenant, or the Ark of the Covenant, excuse me, is a type of the Holy Ghost. Only through the blood of Jesus can we have redemption and remission. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. Also see 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. The scarlet thread is found all throughout the Bible. It is seen in the story of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah, the Passover, and the law. It is seen in the New Testament and the blood of Jesus. On Judgment Day, God will examine our lives and judge us by our works. But if the blood has been applied, 
He will pass over you and you will be spared from wrath. Revelation chapter 12 verses 10 through 11 says that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and through the word of their testimony. And then in Revelation chapter 7 uh, verses 9 through 14 we were told that uh, their robes were made white in the blood of the Lamb. Then let's read Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 9. Romans 5 and 9. Let's read that. It says, Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Okay, so if you haven't obeyed Acts 2.38, if you haven't applied the blood to your life, then you will not be saved. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, For without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God is a spirit, John 4, 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. A spirit does not have flesh and blood. Luke chapter 24, verse number 39. Jesus said, a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see I have. Jesus is the expression or the word of God. John 1, 1 through 2 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. God, through Christ, offered blood for the church. At, uh, John chapter 1, verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then uh, verse number 18 tells us that no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, which means in the closest relationship with, he hath declared him, or he has made him known. How God made himself known was in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus told uh, uh, Philip, he said, Have I been so long time with you, Philip? Hast thou not known me? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Knowest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? You can read that in the book of John, chapter 14, and I believe it's verses 9 and 10. And uh, then we see that he offered uh, blood through Christ for the church. Acts chapter 20, verse number 28. Take heed unto the flock, uh, take heed unto yourselves and to the flock over the which the Holy Ghost have made you interseers. Uh, the church, talking about the church which God hath purchased with his own blood. That's Acts 20, 28. It was through Christ that the world was reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Uh, see also Romans chapter 6, verse 23, which says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 5, verses 10 through 11. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verses 10 through 11. Romans 5, verses 10 through 11. Let's read it here. It says, uh, uh, For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Let's also read Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 7. Galatians 4, verse 7. Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son then an heir of God through Christ. Let's read Philippians chapter 4, verse number 7. Philippians 4, verse 7. It says this, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, 
shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Romans 6, verse 11. Romans 6 and 11. Follow along with me in your Bible. Romans 6 and 11. Likewise reckon ye yourselves to, uh, to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. Romans 5 and 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so it's only through the blood of Jesus that we can stand with boldness before God. Let's read uh, Hebrews, excuse me, chapter number 4. Flip over with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 4. We're going to read verses 14 through 16, some of my favorite verses of Scripture in the entire Bible. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus died for all. John 3.16, 1 Timothy 2, 4-6, who gave his life a ransom for all to be testified in due time, uh, was part of that. But only those that apply the blood of Jesus to their lives will be saved, as in Acts 2.38. Only the Bible is inspired by God, 2 Timothy 3.16. This includes both the Old Testament, Luke 24.44, 2 Peter 1.20-21, and New Testament, 1 Corinthians 14.37, Acts 1.1-2, 2, 2 Peter 3.16, refer to Bible 101, lesson number 1. Only the Word purifies us, John 15, 1-5, Ephesians 5, 25-26. So, only the Word purifies us. Also, you need a preacher to preach the Word to you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-2, through uh, Paul charged Timothy before the Lord, uh, and it says, preach the Word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and so with all long suffering and doctrine. You may say, well, who gave him this authority? Ephesians 4, 11-13 says that God gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, uh, that we may all come unto the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, uh, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. And so the Bible tells us we need a preacher. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17, How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except he be sent? And then uh, you can't hear without a preacher, but it's not just a man that speaks the word. He must be called of God. Romans 10, 15, Acts 20, 28, 1 Timothy 1 and 1, 1 Timothy 1 and 12. He has to be called of God. So these are the major things that we covered all throughout the Bible 101 series. You can't be saved without the blood of Jesus. You have to apply that blood of Jesus to your life by obeying Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. Uh, you need a preacher in your life. You need a man of God. You need to submit yourself to a pastor. You need to join a church body. The Bible says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, uh, as the manner of some is, uh, but so much more as you see the day approaching. So we need to make sure that we have a man of God over us that preaches the word of the Lord to us. If he does not preach Acts chapter 2, verse 38, then he is not a man of God. You need to submit yourself to a man of God that will not only preach but also enforce the truth because he has to present you as a chaste virgin before Christ. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 17, Obey them which have the rule over you and submit yourselves to them, for they watch for your soul as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. We just quoted that from the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 17. So, you need a man of God in your life. Uh, you need to apply the blood of Jesus to your life through repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, 
for the remission of sins and also uh, in filling of the Holy Ghost. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. These are the major themes that we covered throughout the Bible 101 series. Hopefully this lesson has been a blessing to you to kind of help tie all of those 38 lessons together. Finally, we discussed that in the book of Revelation, uh, there's going to be a rapture of the church. When the rapture of the church is done, uh, God is going to pour out his wrath upon the earth. And uh, the Bible talks about seven seals, talks about seven trumpets, talks about seven uh, golden vials of wrath that will be poured out upon the earth. When all of this is done, he will come back uh, with his saints and he will war against the sinners and against the world at the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, he will win that battle. There will be the kingdom age where the devil's bound for a thousand years. Then after that, there will be another war and then God will judge the living and the dead. The dead will be resurrected this time. He'll judge them. And uh, then those that do not have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be cast into eternal uh, fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then those that have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life that have applied the blood to their life, have lived for God, have been holy and separated from the world, uh, they will be taken up into heaven where there will be no more tears, no more sighing, no more crying, no more pain, no more death, no more heartache. Uh, the former things are all passed away. So thank God for the promise of the resurrection. Thank God for the promise of heaven. Thank you so much for listening to this. And if you have any questions, uh, please feel free to leave a comment. We'll be happy to address that for you. Thank you.